the beginning of the story, I mean, like, there are different... One can claim that the story of Yosef begins at different points. That's me? It's not me. Nobody calls me anyway. Like, where, where does the story of Yosef begin? Where does the story really, you know, where do we get into the story of Yosef? So I picked this place. I picked this pasuk. Perak Lam Zayin, Pasuk Yudgim. Now in Perak Lam Zayin, Pasuk Yudgim, we already know that Yaakov is trying to establish his home in Eretz Yisrael, that he has some difficulty with his children, they don't all get along with each other. Yosef has had dreams, and that's, I mean, not a bad thing in itself, but his dreams are a little difficult for the other children to put up with. So there's tension. Yosef has also proven himself to be less than the perfect candidate to save the world. You know, he's into himself, he likes the way he looks in the mirror, he likes to, you know, twirl the curls or whatever, depending on the style of the day, I suppose. But I think that the story of Yosef, like Yosef doing it, getting going, begins in Perak Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Yudbet. Now, Perak Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Yudbet, Vayoma Yisrael el Yosef, Halo achecha ro'im b'shechem. Your brothers are grazing the sheep in Shechem. Lecha v'shlachacha alehem v'yob elohinein. Lecha v'shlachacha. So this is like, you know, gee, I mean, what's happening? Yaakov, doesn't Yaakov know? I mean, what's the reason? What is Yaakov sending Yosef to do? So he says, Pasuk Yudalu, Vayomelo, Lech narei et shlom achecha, ve shlom hatzon, ve hashiveni davar. I mean, who knows? Maybe this is reasonable. Maybe considering the tension between the brothers and the incipient danger to Yosef, maybe he could have sent somebody else. Some some person who is just around. I mean, if all he wants to know is how they're doing out there, you know, they're camping out with sheep and all that for uh, who knows how long that's going to be. So you would think, you would think that Yosef would be the last person that Yaakov sends on this seemingly trivial uh, uh, mission into the lion's den of the brothers who really hate him. Now, even if Yaakov didn't really think that it would end as badly as it ended, but what was the point? What was the point of Yaakov doing what he did? So then, Veshivani Davar, Pasuk, the end of Pasuk Yudalit, Vayishlechehu me'emik chevron, Vayavon shchema. So he sent him from place A, like we know Hebron, we know where that is. We don't know exactly where Amek Hebron is, but the way we, at least, you know, when we grew up and we were living in uh, New York or London or New Jersey or something, 
we didn't really know where Hebron was. So who cared about where Amek Hebron was? You know, it's just like another place. Another place. So, you know, if you grow up in Eretz Yisrael, I guess it's a, you know, it's a bracha that you have teachers. In every school, they have teachers who are wild about geography. You know, those type of teachers that like to go out to you live and say, look at over there, and you look and you don't see anything. And then you say, well, that's where Yosef was standing. I can see him standing there. You know, that kind of... That, that kind of enthusiastic tour guide kind of person. I mean, it may be true that Yosef was in fact standing there, but it's just hard to see him, you know, when you look today. But yeah, that's how it is. So he went from Amish Hebron, and he came to Shem. Shem, we know, is not a good place. It's always a lot of trouble comes from Shem then and today. But so we see that. A Mikhebro, we know he sent him from A and he went to B. And then you have this Pasuk, this wonderful Pasuk, Vayimtsa'ehu Ish. Right? This is not let's say let's say for the point of just reading, that Ish means a guy. Right? So I don't know how many of you have ever been lost on the road or looking for directions, but the normal thing is that you ask people and they ignore you until finally somebody deigns to say over there or something. It's not true that you usually walk around or drive someplace and people stop you and say, I would love to give you directions. Where are you going? But look at the story. The Ish is the proactive one. Right? He's like, who is this Ish? I mean, he's a guy. I mean, a guy walking around in the middle of nowhere. He's proactive. He says, And he sees that Yosef doesn't know exactly where he's going because he's walking around in the field, I guess, in places where people don't usually go. Right? Again, proactive. Not Yosef. He's not asking anything. But the Ish, this unknown person without a name, Right, a person without a name, you know, not having a name in the Tanakh means probably in modern lingo that you play a minor role. But anybody who, like, does something memorable, the Tanakh usually takes the trouble to tell us his name. If they say, oh, some guy was passing through, I mean, this idea, by the way, uh, is a very, um, very uh, interesting one. You remember that in Akedat Yitzchak, Okay, that Yitzchak, who went with Abraham and Yitzchak? Who went? What? Eliezer and, and Yishmael, everybody knows that. But what does it say in the Chumash? What is it? Shnei Ne'arav Imol. In other words, Eliezer and Yishmael in the story of Akedat Yitzchak become nameless. In other words, even though they were important personalities, in the larger story, but in Akedat Yitzchak, they disappear. They're gone. Because the spiritual enterprise of Akedat Yitzchak is so great that they just, they don't shed any light anymore. They have no shayachut. They're im hachamor. Right? They are, they're just part of the baggage. They don't exist. But they, they, they lose the right to have a name in the story. So if somebody's doing something important, he has a name. Here, somebody doesn't have a name, and yet he's doing something important. He's being proactive 
and he's going to direct Yosef. Vayomer et achai anochi mevatesh. And Yosef says, I'm looking for my brothers. Hagidam ali. Ephohem roim. Now this is a great little play, you know, of course. The one guy who goes to ask Yosef, what what are you doing? Or who are you looking for? He happens to know also where Yosef's brothers are shepherding their flocks, right? I mean, an unlikely sequence of events. But, you know, who are we to deal with unlikely? And so the Ish, who still doesn't have a name, says, I heard them say, as Rashi points out very well, is the, one of the ways in Hebrew that you can say El, El HaMakom Dotan Dotayna, right, that Ah at the end says to, to a place. They went to, he says, I heard them say, he says, even though I have nothing to do with them, and here I am wandering around in the field and not doing much myself, but on the way I happen to hear them say that they're going to, they're going Dotayna. Vayelech Yosef, Yosef is totally naive, right? He has no question that the Ish is directing him accurately, and he goes and he finds them in Dotan. Right? So, this story, like all stories, no passion, you could say, well, okay, it's like a story. Whoever, like the story was written in order that it should have a few more parts to it. But if the story is totally unimportant, then the story should have just said that Yosef went and he found his brothers in Dotan. I mean, what do we care who gave him directions or if he had a carta map of Eretz Israel or not? I mean, he got there. He got there. That's the important part of the story. The, the, this story, in the middle of the story, that he met somebody, that he gave him directions, that he told him what to do, that he sent him on his way, all of that is not part of the story. I mean, what do we care about all of this, right? So, I mean, so if I was uh, uh, Tennessee Williams and I was writing that A met B and then B said this and that one said that, so I said, okay, that's what he does. But our demand on the Torah is, always, at least this is what Rashi taught us, is that the Torah should be significant. It should tell us things that we want to know, that are important, that are, that are uh, 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 crucial to our understanding of Yosef, of the story of Yosef, well, well, however you would say it. Last pasuk, No beating around the bush. No beating around the bush. They don't say, come on in, have some tea, and we'll sit and talk about old times, and then we'll kill you. They say, oh, oh look who's here, Yosef, we're so happy you came. Because we were trying to think of how we'd have to go all the way back to find you, to kill you. And he showed up, so nice of you. Now we're going to kill you. And Yosef, he's there, standing there by himself. I mean, in this unlikely situation, which was engineered by two people. Two people? Yaakov Avinu and the Ish. They engineered the story. Now, let's read the story with Rashi. Right? Rashi, you have to understand, when you learn Rashi, when you learn Rashi, you have to say... So, so what's Rashi's story? Like it's, it's the story that I'm, this is a story, right? It's not a halach, it's a story. I want to know what Rashi's story is. Is it the same as the story we just read? Or is it a bit different? So you look at Rashi. Rashi says, He named me. You see the first Pasuk Yud Gimel, 
Yosef says to his father Yaakov, Hineni. Now you know that Hineni is like a, a significant word in the world of the religious personalities, right? Hineni. If God wants me to do it, then I do it. It's a word of significance. It's not a word simply of obedience. It's a word which, which, which describes obedience on the highest level, an awareness of a greater command, and, a, and in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the danger, I'm here, I'm ready. So that's what Yosef did. So this, so Rashi says, Lashon Anavav Vizrizut, that this word Hineni means or reflects humility and his energetic response. This Dareid, this Dareid, Le Mitzvat Aviv. He ran quickly to do what his father told him to do, right? By Avraham Baboke. That's where we learn Zrizut. Zrizut means that if you do a mitzvah with Zrizut, you've done it better. It's a kind of a Hidur mitzvah. It's not a Hidur mitzvah in the object, like buying an expensive etrog or buying fancy matzahs with all kinds of hashem on them. It's a, a, it's a Hidur in the Maaseh mitzvah. In the, in the action. And that's what Zrizut is. Zrizut means, like, it doesn't mean, let's get it out of the way so we can do something else. But Zrizut means, Zrizut means that since the command exists in the world, I, I'm dying to connect to it. I, I want it to be commanded. I don't want to just put it off. I want it to be on my diary that, you know, sometime I'll do it. I want it to be so that we know that the Minhag be Israel. The uh, Hagbis Israel is always to do that. We learn in the Gemara of Sachim that you do the Brit Milah early in the day. Right? That may be where the origin of the Minag is, the father or the Sandak or the, you know, where Tfilin, when they, when they uh, uh, do a, a Milah for their own children. It wasn't that they put on the Tfilin, but they were wearing Tfilin. Because they davened, they were in shul, they davened, and they had to bring me love. Of course, today, uh, where, you know, it's either, you never know if things are better or worse. But they're a little different sometimes. So today, when Uncle Mo can come from 8,000 miles away by flying in, you know, if you have the bridge in the afternoon, so okay, so that becomes a, uh, another possibility. But in the good old days, in the good old days, uh, you always had a bridge after Shachrit, you know, after, after you daven in the morning. Because Uncle Mo couldn't make it. It wouldn't make any difference. Whoever was there in Shul, that was the Simcha. The Simcha was the bread. That's also why the Baleha Brit cancel out Tachemun. Right? Because that's how you get everybody together. You want everybody to be happy in the morning in Shul? Cancel Tachemun. That's why we have to keep saying Tachemun. Right? Because the only point, you know, like I walked into Shul yesterday. I walked in, is yesterday? I can't keep track of it. I walked into Shul. And I see a, a, a kid there. He looks like he's 12. Hasidish kid. Wearing a shpodik. You know, like a, a gera kind of shrivel. You know, shrivel that is, it grows this way instead of growing that way. So, and he's got a, a, a shrivel. So, of course, it was means he's in the Sheva Yemei Mishter. So you could see the smiles break out on everybody's face because it meant no tachdum. Right? It's like the, the, the real joy that you get in Dominic. So some people said, well, maybe we shouldn't say Tachman. I said, no. 
If you don't say it, you won't be able to cancel it. <laughs> you know, then, then you'll just be, just be unhappy regularly. So this is what, this is what Rashi says. This is what Rashi says. So this is the way Rashi understands. Rashi understands that Yosef was aware of what was happening, but he saw his father's directive as a higher order of mitzvah. Right? It overrode the implicit danger of going to meet with his brothers. That's how Rashi understands. Then Rashi goes on and he says, look at these words, Rashi doesn't like those words. As you probably remember, this Rashi was here last year, also, when you learned Pasha the Shifla. And the year before, the year before. It's one thing about Rashi. You always say, you always say it's wonderful because you can learn the Pasha Shifla a year over and over and over again. So, but one of the reasons is that I never remember anything. So it's not a problem. It's like all like a new Pasha. Here, Amik Chevron. Look at Rashi. Valo Chevron Bahar. What do you think of that? You know, we would probably agree, right? The Hebron is on the mountain and not in the in the Amek. The Amek is a valley. Shinemar Hebron. So Rashi was never in Hebron. And he didn't trust those old time maps that they used to make. But he knew that there was a Pasuk in Bamidbar that said about the spies that uh, that were sent by Moshe Rabbeinu. They said that that to get from the Negev to Hebron, you've got to go up. So he says again, so what's Eimech Hebron? Eimech Hebron. So Rashi feels that at this time he has to depart seriously from the obvious interpretation. Because the obvious interpretation leads him to an unacceptable contradiction. Eimech Hebron. Can't be. Eind of so they couldn't have gone, Yosef could not have gone from a place that doesn't exist to any place else. So what does Rashi explain? So he says, Amek, Amek means not the valley of Hebron, but the, the profound advice that came from Hebron. Who provided the profound advice? Who's That's Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu. So that, again, that Yaakov was following a directive of, he wasn't in Amik Hebron, because there's no such place. He wasn't even in Hebron. He was following the directive that came from Hebron by the person who's buried there. And Amik means, Amik ha'etzah ha'amukah. So it turns out, according to Rashi, that Yaakov knew perfectly well what he was doing, and Rashi sent Yosef purposefully into this terrible situation where he was really in danger because he understood in some way that the time had come. That the time had come, that the promise that Avraham Avinu had received from HaKadosh Baruch and you remember that the first possible in the parasha of Vayeshev. Vayeshev Yaakov, right? Do you remember that pasuk? That's what it says, Vayeshev Yaakov. And Rashi says, Bikesh l'shevet b'shalva. That Yaakov Avinu thought that Jewish history had perhaps come to an end. That they had reached Eretz Yisrael, his family, 
and they would be able to continue to grow. But then he understood that he was in charge of fulfilling the promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to Avram Avinu, which was, That's what Yaakov Avinu understood. And so Rashi goes on, and Rashi says this, he says, Why does the Torah tell us that it was Shechem? etc. So what does that mean? What does Rashi say? What does Chazal say? Sham, sham, sham. One Puranut, another Puranut, a third Puranut, right? So that even in the world that is directed by HaKadosh Baruch even in that world, there are dangerous places. There are places that are prone to like being uncontrolled in some way. And those dangerous places you should try to avoid. And Yaakov sent Yosef into that danger because he knew that going down to Mitzrayim would not be a simple and straightforward act. So that's what Shem, how Shem gets into the story. Then Pasuk Tetvav, Pasuk Tetvav says, ish. And Rashi says, famous Rashi, now we know that in Hebrew of the Middle Ages, certainly, the Rambam uses the word. The word Ish means Malach. The word Ish also means Malach. I mean, it doesn't mean Malach. Ish means a man, but it also means an angel. Here Rashi says, Rashi says, in order to understand the, the story properly, you have to use a secondary, tertiary, or etc. level of understanding of the word ish. It's not reasonable to say that the ish was stam an ish. Stam somebody who has no name. Stam somebody who happened to happen the law. But it was the Malach Gavriel received a directive from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to direct Yosef in this way. Enochinam. This is the beginning of it. If Yosef would have thought to himself, maybe I shouldn't go, maybe I shouldn't go to a place that's so close to uh, Shechem, maybe Shechem is problematic, the Ish comes along and directs it. We don't know if Yosef knew that he was a Malach, or that he had an inkling that he was a Malach, but he might have. He might have. It depends on how you want to tell the story. Rashi doesn't tell us, but that's the Ish. That's the Ish according to Rashi. And then, Rashi says this most amazing thing. You see, Pasuk the man said, the angel said, according to Rashi, they went away from here. They left this place. That's what they said. Rashi, you see the Rashi? He see you at smam min ha'achava. In other words, according to Rashi, these words nasumi zed don't mean they went from this place, but you, you Yosef, you said et achai anochi mivakesh. What according to Rashi? What could Yosef have said? What could Yosef? What should Yosef have said? He's looking for his brothers. I'm looking for the sons of Yaakov. After all, Yaakov was well-known and famous. And Yosef, what did he say? Bachai. He didn't say that. But according to Rashi, 
What did Yosef mean when he said, Et achai anochim I'm looking for brotherhood. I'm looking for a good relationship. I'm looking for the way it should be amongst brothers. Et achai anochi mivakesh. Rashi, I'm sorry, the Ish says, Nas umizeh. They went away from this. Rashi says, Rashi says, Isiu atzman min ha'achva. Have no, don't make any mistake, Yosef. They're not interested in a relationship. They're not interested in getting together with you. So that these words are the subtext according to Rashi about what's really going on. And because Yosef has an awareness of what is happening, it makes his acceptance of his fate a, a, a pillar of strength that represents his strength in being to, able to accept the Eitzah of Hebron, of Avramavinu, that the time had come to fulfill the mission Tiger Yezaracha. Rashi says, one more Rashi. I heard them say, they didn't say, we love Yosef. They said, let's go to Taina. And Rashi says, this is a wondrous Rashi. Rashi says, Levakesh, there's these words, these words, Nelcha Dotaina, right, seem to us to be simple. Nelcha Lalechet, to go. Dotaina is the name of a place, to go to Daitan. So Rashi says, I don't like it. We already saw Amit Chevron, doesn't mean Chevron, doesn't mean they came from Chevron. And this also doesn't mean that he went to Dotan. Levakesh lecha nichlei datot sheyemituha bahem. And here the tradition of Chazal, which was represented by Rashi, is so interesting. What did your brothers who have avoided brotherhood, who've given up the relationship, who don't want to have, have anything to do with you, what did they go to discover? Why are they traveling all this way? Because they want to find the regulations. They want to get to a lawyer. They want to find out somebody who has, knows the, the datot. Right, the datot, which is like in Megillat Esther. They don't follow the rules of the general community. What's the chlei datot? They wanted to find out on what basis they could legitimately kill him. And then there's a subtext of the subtext, therefore, to the story, which is represented by many of the parashanim, right, the parashanim, the Orchayim HaKodosh, the, the Kliyokor, all talk, of, all talk about this, and the Hasidus, of course, that the brothers wanted to kill, wanted to kill Yosef. But of course the brothers were the children of Yaakov, and they weren't going to kill him in a wild frenzy. They wanted to know what they could argue. In what way could they argue that he deserved to be punished? Now it's true that Yosef spoke Lush and Hur, you remember? Yosef spoke Lush and Hur about his brothers. But everybody knows that the, that the, uh, that the punishment for Lush and Hur is not death. 
which was also a subtext that went on later on between Ruvain and Yehuda and the brothers. What should we do? Should we kill him? So they threw him into a pit, right? What is throwing you? What happens when you throw somebody in a pit? Well, he might die, right? He might die. But then you'll say you didn't kill him. Exactly. Right? What does Ebomayim mean? According to Rashi, according to Chazal, Bayim didn't have, but Nechashim they did have. So now I'll ask you again, if I throw somebody into a den that's full of lions, and the lions eat him, did I kill him or didn't I kill him? I'm talking about law, right? I'm talking about law. Okay, so you never knows that you can make it on. You can argue the case. You can say, oh, I thought that, that the lions had just eaten supper an hour before. You know, lions, after they eat, they're not so interested in eating. That's, that's how lions are. They're sort of like comfortable with themselves. They don't feel, they're not Jewish. Lions are not Jewish. Jews, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Jews feel always when they see food, that there may never be any food in the world again. Right? Which is why, which is why if you want to make Jews happy, like I went to my nephew's wedding in America, so during the wedding, you eat four meals. And, and, and each meal, it's like no one, you don't know that anybody saying, I'm not going to eat the smorgasbord because I will eat the meal. And they don't say, I'm not going to eat the meal because I'll be able to eat the Viennese table. And then, when you're waiting outside for the valet service to bring your car, there's a guy stands with a cup, with, with like a cupcake, and like a drink, so for the road, because you're standing outside of the building, and you're, you're weathering some terrible storm. Well, even though it may be very nice of it. So it's like the concept. So Jews, so lions are not like that. Lions eat Mizan Tzafritin. You have to see, watch the lions. They eat like crazy, and then they're happy. And then if you brought them another smorgasbord, they wouldn't eat. They wouldn't eat. They're not worried. They're not worried that the next meal is not going to show up. So the lions are not Jewish. That's what I, I wanted to say. So, so you could say, if you throw the guy into a lion's cage, you could say, oh, I thought the lion just ate. And Chazoka and the lions, and they just ate, they're not going to eat again. At least not for a couple of hours. So, so it's hard. So that's why they threw him into the pit. But pit But the they're probably gonna end up killing whoever goes in there. But they're gonna say we didn't do it. What did they say? What was that? They probably said to Yaakov Avinu the same thing they thought of saying to Yaakov Avinu before. What did they say to Yaakov Avinu? Yes. So where's the Chayara? Well, that was the first plan. They threw him into the pit. And of course, it was hard, it was hard to get away, but if that Nechashim and Akrabim, probably he would die. And then we say, Chayara Achalatu. Chayara. They would leave out the part about the pit. That would, be not, that would not be in the story, but then they would say, who killed him? Some snake. I mean, that could happen. That could, that could certainly happen. So Rashi says, what regulation can we discover which would allow us to kill you, Yosef? So now this is always an interesting thing to talk about when Rashi says, Perush Aleph, and then Perush Bet, he says, Not the other way. We first says, and then 
Vadrasha, right? This way, where he says first some kind of strange pshat, and then he says the fipshuto. The fipshuto means, what does he write? He says, Sheva Komu. They The Gemara says that several times. We don't know what Rashi means. I guess he means that even though the first commentary of Adnichlei Dato is the important one, but you have to understand that the Torah is also telling us that he went to a place called Dotan. Right? Something like that. But, like, but look at the Rashbam. See the Rashbam, that little Rashbam that's printed in there like... You know that the Rashbam was Rashi's grandson, still, I've said it three or four times during these weeks, and he still was Rashi's grandson, in spite of the fact that we keep saying it. And then he says that the word dotan, you see dotan, dotan, what does that mean? What would you say that means? You don't want to tell me. It's okay. I, I don't know if that's, I mean, that's, that sounds right to me, but, uh, but that's not what the Rashbam is saying. He goes according to the Shah. The what? He goes according to the Shah. Yeah, but why are you saying it so nicely? Why are you saying it so nice? We say, say something a little more Kharif. Ah, great. That's exactly right. Is that the Rashbam? Who needs this? What does he have to say it for? Didn't Rashi say, and it's the name of a place called Dotan? Didn't Rashi say that? So what does Rashbam have to say? It's the name of the place, it's Dotan. And so Rashi, but the Rashbam, wrote his papers like piggybacking on Rashi. Rashi is his, not only his grandfather, but it's his teacher, and it's the person who, who directs him in all the things that he learned and did. So, so here you see the Rashbam says, look, this, I don't go for this, this Rashi here. There's only Pshat. There's only Pshat, which means which means probably that Rashi had to have a very strong reason for saying what he said. A very strong reason for saying what he said. Okay, so now we've learned the Pasuk by itself. I think what Rashi has done in telling, retelling the story is convincing us that what's really going on is the fulfillment of the Tzivui of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to Avram Avinu and the ongoing awareness that the various players are having and that it's not only Yaakov who sent Yosef to find his brothers but actually HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent them and the proof of that is that the Ish is an angel the angel is certainly commanded by God and has no free will and therefore the angel represents that the story has to happen in this, in this way Okay, there are two more sources. Let's learn the Ramban. Let's learn the Ramban. The Ramban looked at Rashi, looked at the Rashbam, and this is what he says about the story. He see what's man menachava, neochad otayna, neochesh tlacha nichlei dato shemitucha ba'em, ulefim pshuto sheimakomu, ve'emakar yusevile pshuto, l'shon rab shlomo. He quotes Rashi, right? Quotes Rashi up to here, and therefore, we don't have to spend too much time on it. Now listen to the Rashbam. Ein ha-kavana le-rabotainu she-yifareish lo ha-ish n'sumi zeh min ha-achva v'halchu lo-orer alecha dinim v'tar-amot she-im kein 
היה נמנע ללכת. הוא לא היה מסכן בעצמו, זה יהיה דבר שהוא דרמב"ן. He says, you know, here we are, we always think that we're talking about glorious people who are always talking to God and just being directed by what God is. I look at the Ramban and he says, look, I can't, I can't, I, I can't understand this. Maybe Rashi wants me to say, I think, that the angels, that this angel, Ish, Gabriel, explained to Yosef that the brothers really want to kill him, and he went anyway. He says, I can't buy that. He, the Rabbah, says, I can't buy that. Doesn't make sense to me. So that's not what Chazal meant. Aval, ha-kavanalahem, ki ish gavriel, ha-shegidlo, higidemet. Va-amal, la-shon mishamesh l'shnei panim. Isn't this exciting? All of those of you who have arguments with your children about what's simple pshat, and what's complicated pshat, and what's the right thing to say. Well, here's the Rambat. And the Rambat says it. You can't argue with the Rambat. Right? You can have a different opinion, but you can't argue with the Rabban. Right? So, so the Rabban says, he says, no, he says, what Chazal meant was that there are really two things that are happening. There's the Pshat. The Ish went to Yosef, and he said they went over there. But when the Torah wrote it down, the Torah wanted us to look more carefully into the words And the Torah wanted us to see that everything is directed by heaven. So the Ramban says, Rashi, maybe, and Chazal, who authored all these positions, did not, did not say that the angel told Yosef that his brothers were going to kill him. That's for us. That's like implied somehow in the words, in order that we should see that God is running this show. But the, but the Torah writes, the Lashon, right in the middle, both of these languages, you see how modern is, you know what modern is? Modern is, you know, nothing means what you think it means, and nothing is the way you think it is, and nothing is black, even though it looks black, it's a little white, and, you know, that's modern. Very modern is, there's another, another possibility. Today, uh, one of our problems is that, that there's no good and bad anymore, right? Because everybody says, everybody says, well, uh, it looks bad, but I think it's good. Well, maybe there's some good that will come out of it, right? So, so our moral uh, positions deteriorate. It's also very hard to teach children. We're hard to teach children that there's good and bad. If you also say, well, you know, it looks good, but it's not so good. It looks bad, but it's not so bad. So that's always a problem. Yosef did not understand what was hidden in the words of the angel. That's why he continued. And he followed the directive as the Torah, as the angel said it. And then he went and he found his brothers in Dotan exactly the way the brother, the angel had told him that he should do. So that means that, that means that there's a conversation between the angel, you could say it this way. I mean, I think the Ramban would approve that there was a conversation between the angel and Yosef, as a result of which Yosef found his brothers. 
But that doesn't explain why it was written in the Torah. Because, because we know that he found his brother. What difference does it make if this guy told him? Or that guy, as I said before, right? It doesn't, it's not, uh, it's not relevant. Not relevant. So, so uh, apparently, apparently, there's a nistar in the Torah which we can look into. We can see more than Yosef saw about what was going on, right? We, we're psychologists. We are like an in-depth, in-depth kind of analysis. That's us. According to the Rambam, the door should say, Mipnesha Isha Zaya Malach, Mipkenyo Deanai. He says, the reason that the Chazal were led to this drasha was because they knew that this man was a Malach, and that's how he knew. The law of Allah, the law of Allah, he nam the dotan, the Amaka Mistapek Shishaman, the Shilhusham, the Enyo Deanan and Ta, the Hene Asu, Medrash, the Mahamaram. So Chazal had this question. They said, how come the angel said uh said right in other words he didn't say they are in Dotan. But he said, Look, I heard them talking about it, they seemed to be interested in it, they were going to to adventure land or to uh, to Disneyland or to something. You, you, you can't be sure that they actually went. But the angel knew exactly where they went, so why didn't he tell them? Why didn't he tell Yosef where they went? So the Ramban says, Because of this, Chazal knew that there was a hidden message here. There was more to the story than it seemed. Kishamati Omrim, Shamati Otam Shayu Omrim Nelchadotaina. So these are the Ramban. The Ramban is wonderful because, because he, he kind of bridges the gap between Rashi and the Rashban. The Rashban now says, I don't think Rashi's wrong. What does Rashi go wrong about? He's wrong about the order in which he put the two Perushim. Which Perush should have come first? The Pshat. The second Perush is right, but it doesn't mean that Yosef understood it that way. He didn't understand what was going on. But it's right for us to understand it that way. That's the position of the Rashbam, which is very similar to the Rabbah. So we see, we see like a little story, and there's like an issue amongst the Mephoshim, what did he know? What didn't he know? How aware was he? Was he being naive? Was he being reflective? Was he following the directive of Avram Avinu? Did he understand what the Yosef? Did he understand why Yaakov got him involved in this? So I just want to look at because it's uh, it's almost Hanukkah. It's almost Hanukkah, so we'll look at a little Hasidus. I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't know any longer what Hasidus is, but I get Hasidus is something that was written by a Hasid. So if you write a book and you wear strimal, that's called Chassidus. So this is the Shem Yishmuel. This is the Shem Yishmuel. The Shem Yishmuel was the son of the Sochotrov, or the Avni Nezer. He was, the Sochotrov was a Rebbe in Poland, and his son was the Rebbe after him. Now all of the books that were written, uh, were written by the father, really, but the son wrote them. Right? It was the son wrote very well, and he understood what the father said, and the father apparently didn't write so well, so he gave it all over to his son. Right? He wrote the Avni Nezer, which is a halachic book, and the Shas and Shubis, uh, Avni Nezer, and, and the Shemish Mishmuel, which is on the parish of the Shavuah. 
The person said, here he is, like he, like he sees all of this going on. Here's Rashi, here's the Rabbah, here's the Rashbab. And this is what he says. This is what he says. Right, this is all Rashi. What I read up to now is Rashi. So there's Rashi, which seems to say that Yosef did understand what was going on, and there's a Ramban who says it can't be. Yosef did not understand what was going on because everybody has an obligation to save himself and not put himself into a dangerous position that he won't be able to that he won't be able to deal with. That's, this is this is the summary. The summary quotes. Now listen. So here's the Shemi Shmuel takes it up this way. He says, why would the Torah tell us? Why would the Torah want to tell us that the angel said something very profound, which reflected the truth of the situation, and Yosef didn't understand anything. He's just walking around, wandering around. He's not good in the Yun. You know, Yosef, he's only Pekias. So the angel says to him, they went to Taina. He says, okay, I'll go to Taina. But if Yosef did a little bit more, more perceptive, he would say, oh, this angel is telling me, you know, important stuff. And I better stay away from this mission that my father sent me on. This is a quote, a direct quote from his father now, right? Pirish. So he says, he wants to say something. The, the Rebbe, the Sohachar, the Abdi Nezer, wants to say something about this story. So what does he tell us? First he has to remind us of something. Right? That's how it works. But remind you something. So you know that the Kabbalah, the Zohar, the early works of the Kabbalah, are all interested in little words. We call them prepositions. You know what a preposition is? It's a little word. It's like a word that you don't need, usually. No? Like, let's say the word et in Hebrew. So it's a different Breshit, bara, elokim, et ha-shamayim, vet ha-aretz, or Breshit, bara, elokim, shamayim, va-aretz. Is there a difference? If there is, write me a note. No, there doesn't seem to be much. They're little words, you know, prepositions, they're those little words that don't. So, of course, if you were trained in Parshanut by Rashi, and Rashi told you that everything in the Torah is very important, it has to be understood in its most profound way, so you would rush to try to figure out what those little words mean. So, here's a statement of Chazal that was repeated by the Rambam, which is quoted here by the Sheba Shmuel, it says. The word ko, which means, I guess, thus, is a, kind of, is a word that means approximately. So when the Nabi says ko amar Hashem, he means 
This is approximately what God said. I'm not saying to you verbatim. Right? But God said, if you continue to be bad, you're going to get walloped. That's Koamar Hashem. But that doesn't produce the Torah Shabbat. Because the Torah Shabbat, the written Torah, has to be a literal rendition of what God says. So, okay, Moshe Rabbeinu. And then Moshe Rabbeinu says, Moshe. Moshe was on a higher level than the prophets. Not only did he say po, but he also said ze. What is ze? Ze? They taught me once. <laughs> they taught me once. It's a dectic particle. You ever hear that? A dectic particle. When I learned when in class, they told me it was a dectic particle. I did not have the guts to say what's dectic. <laughs> I said, it's a dectic particle. It's good, like, you know, in Israel, they say, you go to the garage, and they say, it's the carburetor. They don't have carburetors anymore, right? They still have carburetors and car. They said, the carburetor. So you say, you don't say, what's a carburetor? It's not, you know, not style. It's not classy. Would you want the guy in the Mossaf to know that you don't know what a carburetor is? You say, oh, you know, fine. So they told me it's a dectic particle. Dectic particle means pointing. Pointing, the particle of pointing. When you say ze, you're pointing at something, right? Ze, ze, shtetler, ze. So that means there's really one there that you're thinking about. Not like ko. Ko amara Hashem means more or less. I'll give you the approximate. So Moshe Rabbeinu was greater than the Nevi'im because the Nevi'im were only able to nitnabe, to prophecy with ko, where Moshe Rabbeinu was also able to prophesy. He saw it very clearly. To him, everything was Zed. Or many things were Zed. Right? Which is similar, as he goes on and says, the Perish Maharal, the Guru Aryeh. Right? Maharal wrote a Perish on Rashi called the Guru Aryeh, which we're not going to get into right now, but it's enough to remember the Sochot Jobo. He says, Dinevu'at ha-Torah shehi nitzchit nitabah v'loshon Zed. So he used a different word for it, but the clarity. And why do you need the clarity in Torah for? Because nitzchiyut, right, permanence, foreverness, olam va'ed of the Torah, that could only come through a vision of Zeh. But other prophecies, Yirmiyahu and Shayahu, which were primarily for a particular time in history, for they to say Ko, because they don't produce the same kind of Torah as the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu gave us. So here we go. So he, so he, he, he said this, this distinction, right? He said there's a Zeh and there's a Ko. The Ko is approximate knowledge, right? It's correct, but it's not precise. It's not something that you could... Like you quote it word for word, but Zeh is perfect knowledge. Zeh is perfect knowledge. He says, the brothers, according to this Medrash, the brothers went to find out what argument they could use in court to say that, that Yosef deserved to be killed. He says, Hainu, Shafilu Pishitatam, Yadu Heitei Shabin Torah, Engel Mishpat so here the Shemishmuel says, okay, let's follow this line of reasoning. They were trying to find a reason, a reason legally that they could kill Yosef. But they knew that Yosef's biggest affair was Lashon Hara, that he told stories about the brothers. And they knew that in the Torah itself, 
Lashon Arazmat punishable by by death. And if they thought that it's because of them that Yaakov Avinu wasn't so like in love with them lately, but that also, I mean, having to kill a person for for producing a situation where his father likes him more than he likes his brother. So the brothers, what are they going to find? They wanted Horacha'ah. What is Horacha'ah? A temporary injunction against the Torah. That's what Horacha'ah is. The Torah said, don't sacrifice outside of the Beit HaMikdash. Eliyahu and Avi and Harakamel said, it's very important. I better do it. Because, you know, if I don't do this, the whole Jewish people will become idolatrous. A temporary injunction against the demand of the of the Torah. So he says, So he knew, the brothers knew, that this is also part of the Torah. Sometimes you can do, the Torah can let you do things that the Torah itself says you shouldn't do. That's sometimes. That's what the words Nechleidatot means because they're, they're ugly kinds of mishandling of the, of the Torah. In other words, you say, I'm with the Torah, but you do something against the Torah. That's what Nechleidatot is. And he says, here's the, 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 the Shem He says, Nasu Remember the Pasuk? The Ish says to Yosef Atzadik, he says, Nasu Mizeh. They went away. What did we, how do you translate? How could we translate? They went away from here. Mizeh. The Shemesh Mul says, Hainu Shenasu Mimidat Zeh. Shehum Binata Torah. What is Zeh? <coughs> Zeh is clarity. Zeh is what Moshe Rabbeinu said. That's what we were taught. The halacha is Nasu Mizeh. So you see, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to finish it. We don't have, we don't have the time. But according to the Shemi Shmuel, according to Shemi Shmuel, there's another conversation that's going on between the Ish and Yosef Hatzadik. That Yosef Hatzadik said, "Okay, I know they want to kill me." I know that they hate me. I know that brotherhood is not their interest. But they're still the children of Yaakov Avinu. They were taught that the Torah rules the world. And you can't kill people without legitimate reason. And therefore, Yosef said, I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go to find them. Because that's what my father wants me to do. The one thing that Yitzchak knew very well and that Yaakov knew very well and that Yosef knew very well is that we live in a world we, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef where your father's demand is the demand of the redemption. Was that there's nothing that a father asked the son to do in the stories of Breshit which were not the demands of the redemption. But if you look at it carefully look through all the stories and you'll see so Yosef was torn he said my father told me to go one side 
And the other side is that the Malach is saying, but they're trying to kill you. He didn't say they will kill you. He said they're looking for Michleidatel, they're looking for a way to sneak around what the Torah demand is. And Yosef said, not my brothers. They may not love me. They may even hate me. But they're not going to act against the Torah. Along came the Ish. And the Ish said, Nasu Mizeh. They've lost that perfect vision of things that you, Yosef, have. They're not able to control their desire, their hate for you against the learning that they have done. But since the Malach was only creating a prediction, and that's really the hidden story, that the Malach was just telling Yosef that they went to figure out a way to do what they want to do. And the way Yosef understood it was, well, that means that they're not going to do it. That they're not going to do it. So according to the Shei Mishmur, against the Ramban, in favor of Rashi, Shei Mishmur, for Rashi, against the Ramban, Yosef did know what was happening. And that was the real story of the encounter between Yosef and the Ish, and the angel. Yosef knew what was happening, as Rashi says, and Rashi puts it in the right order. And he tells us the story that he says, Shuto Shomikra is the Dotan, is the name of a place. But so what? It's not important. He just knows. It's the Rajbam says there's a passage in Shoftim where Dotan is mentioned. So he knows that it's the name. He, Rashi, knows that it's the name of a place. But he said, that's not important. It's just true. But it's not important as the story that I'm, that I'm telling you. So the Shemi Shmuel, the Shemi Shmuel came and made a judgment. Right? He said, there's Rashi and there's the Rambat. And even though you, you might think that the Shemi Shmuel would have a certain like, connection to the Ramban, because there's all the Ramban was a Kabbalist, and as you know, all the Hasidim in the world are also Kabbalists, more or less. And so, so, uh, so since you would think, you would think that the Shemi Shmuel would come down in favor of the Ramban, perhaps, but here you see clearly the Shemi Shmuel explains that Rashi's story is the true story. It's the real story. And if you ask the Ramban, ask, so why did Yosef go? Because the Ish said to Yosef, they're looking for a way. And Yosef must have said to himself, they'll never find it. Because they won't be able to leave the teaching of their father. And so, when he said, Nasumi Zeh, when the Ish said, Nasumi Zeh, that they've left the world of clarity and they're looking for an excuse, Yosef could still say, they're not going to find it. In other words, they didn't just become Pirei Adam. They didn't just leave all of the obligations that they ever had. But Nasumi Zeh could mean that they looking for, but were not able to find as yet the option that they were looking for. And good chance.